genre. Welcome to another Golden Mile hiatus special, uh, the sort of uh, uh, preview uh, or uh, precursor to our World's End season at the Cornetto Minute. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And uh, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> yeah, volume volume three. Volume three um, is here. And uh, we're talking uh, Lawrence Kasdan's The Big Chill. Yes. Um, had you ever seen this before? I had never seen this movie before. Really? I had okay. never. Yeah. I mean, its reputation precedes it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I kind of mentioned this off mic, but my parents had the the double disc soundtrack to this movie, mm. and it was it was already just the music that I grew up listening to anyway, because like both my parents are the ages of these movie characters. Yeah, yeah. So like this was their soundtrack was also became my soundtrack. Yeah, but I never. I just knew that it was like a big hangout movie, right? With a bunch of white character actors from the eighties. Yeah, yeah. This was released uh, September twenty eighth, nineteen eighty three. Yes, on a budget of eight million, made fifty six point four. Okay, so I guess that, I guess that's a hit. It's weird. It's weird thinking about like low numbers, like under a hundred million being a hit. Yeah, in but retrospect. that was that was just the way it was back then. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People, things didn't make a hundred million dollars back then. <laughs> yeah, like Jaws made a hundred million. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now we had like five movies make a billion this year. Yeah, Indiana Jones, uh, other things. Lawrence Kasdan is responsible mm-hmm. for. You know, just not this one. <laughs> knowing the state of Indiana, like I do now, the name Indiana Jones becomes more comical. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, we need him to have a really cool, adventurous first name. What's <laughs> Indiana? Yeah, Red State Jones. <laughs> Red State Jones <laughs> sounds like it could be its own, its own thing. Uh, so, I, and you had also never seen this movie. Uh, I had. Oh, you had, but a long time ago. Okay, I was like a lot younger. I think I, I think I watched it because of um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan. I think. Okay, just out of interest for uh, like, oh, this is the dude that that wrote wrote Empire. Yeah, Empire and Raiders, Dreamcatcher, and Jedi. Yeah. Um. And I I don't remember enjoying it very much back. I then. can't imagine what I could see myself liking this as a child because I was that weird kind of kid. I think we've talked about this that I I kind of glommed onto the adults. Yeah, at parties, sure, or at gatherings. I always kind of enjoyed watching like the adults interact with each other. So maybe I would have gotten a kick out of that. Maybe I don't think I would have en- understood any of it. I don't. Yeah. I didn't. I, I understood little of it this time. Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean if we're looking at um, the grand scope of the movie, I don't really know what it was saying. So yeah, uh, uh, if I could if I could pull something out of the Wikipedia, so mm-hmm. so this is a movie about a group of baby boomers uh, <laughs> in 1983. So they're in their 30s. Yes, coming together because uh, their the- friend. Alex committed suicide. Right, and they were all they all went to the University of Michigan together. They did. Yeah. So uh, the movie received critical acclaim when it came out, but uh, uh, Roger Ebert, mm. 
uh, upon the film's release gave it two and a half stars. Oh. Saying, The Big Chill is a splendid technical exercise. It has all the right moves. It knows all the right words. Its characters have all the right clothes, expressions, fears, lusts, and ambition, but there's no payoff and it doesn't lead anywhere. I thought at first that it was a weakness of the movie. There is also a possibility that that is the movie's message. Uh, that there is no message? Yeah. Uh, that so, nothing means, that life is meaningless. So there's another, uh, <laughs> if I could, another excerpt, uh, Time Magazine's Richard Crawless uh, said, and I, I thought this was kind of a fun way to start the conversation. Uh, These Americans are in their 30s today, but back then they were the now generation, right now. Give me peace, give me justice, give me good loving. For them, in the voluptuous bloom of youth, in the 60s was a banner, the 60s was a banner you could carry aloft and wrap yourself inside. A verdant anarchy of politics, sex, drugs and style and each impulse was scored to music uh the armies of the night marched to washington and they boogied to liverpool and motown now in 1983 classmates from the university of michigan at the end of their last interesting decade have come to a funeral of a friend so it's kind of like these these were the kids in the 60s that were like smoking pot and marching on washington even there's like an aside where like jeff goldblum and what's your name like hooked up right uh, but then they've they've kind of reached their 30s and they're like not cool anymore. Uh huh. They're like, and like there's some frustration about like why wait wait we used to be really radical, and now we're becoming sort of milk toast and worrying about like money, and like our careers and stuff. And, sure, like, they're still happened? smoking lots of pot and doing lots of cocaine. Yeah, stuff. yeah. I, I wish we had gotten a little bit more of them before the funeral, mm-hmm. because. As an audience member, I would forget that these were actually like family. They were these were parents. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, we usually are like oh, like at one point I'm like, oh, they're normally taking care of the kids. This is probably like the first time that they've done this in a while, but we don't get any of that. So to an audience member, it just seems like this is their existence. Right. I actually think, uh, in 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 terms of that, because like at, when when we're talking about the world's end and yes. how this film, uh. Uh, was used by Edgar Wright as a as a, uh, a, 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 a point of influence. Yeah. Um, we are talking about the first like forty five minutes of the movie, like sure. the 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 everything before the bathroom fight, Definitely. essentially. Yeah. And that's a big chunk of the movie, and some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. In the movie, for sure. Um, and I think. In terms of like establishing who these people are, I think that he does a better job because he has that opening like MTV style thing where he shows them all in high school. Yeah, yeah. Before we meet them today and we get the juxtaposition of like, this is who they were then, this is who they are now, and then the movie's going to start now. Yeah, yeah. Like when we see... Like Andy Knightley. Right. We get to see what he was before the like big larger than life hooligan. Right. Like, oh, I'll toss anybody. And then when we get to see him like being reserved and composed, like hang hands on the desk. Yeah. Oh, it's a shame. I always liked your mom. Like we, the audience get to see that. Like, oh, what happened to you? Right. Right. But we only ever see we're, we're, we're told like you used to do this. So remember, man, we used to be into this. Yeah. But we really only ever see like these yuppies. Right. Right. Uh. So so what were your what were your general thoughts on the movie? Um I I mostly enjoyed myself. I think that the 
uh, Kevin Klein impregnating his friend with permission from his wife is a w- the weirdest plot line in a movie I've seen in a long time. Permission almost seems to do it a disservice. It's like a glowing admiration. Yeah. It's like you gotta go out there and you you up our friend. Yeah, because she needs a baby because she's in her thirties and her life's over. And like, and we all know you're the perfect man, Kevin Klein. So yeah, there's like a sentimentality to it. I kept thinking about if this movie were made today. Yeah, like a group of thirty somethings reconvene after years to to mourn the loss of their friend. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I, I picture it being, I don't know, like the dialogue in this was for better or for worse, very like stylized and sitcommy, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and everyone had a quip. Yeah, sure. And and I was like, I don't like, it. and so it just made when people were still being quippy sitcom about this to me pretty like weird big thing yeah because she's like shopping around yeah the friend group this whole weekend she's like hey like we've been friends for a while do you want to like put a baby, baby in, in me, me? <laughs> and she asks almost all of them yeah except for jeff goldblum because apparently no one likes jeff goldblum and he's like the weirdo character yeah in this. he's like you get out of here he's like the the randy yeah scream yeah or uh Trying to think of another. another I guess nobody example. liked having Ian Malcolm around either. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, dude, you're so annoying. Get out of here. Yeah, stop it. Go away. And then ironic that like he played the annoying dude in movies, and now until very recently he was like sanctified on the internet. Right, right. Uh, anyway, maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should stop sanctifying people just because they're hot and um, famous. Except for Keanu Reeves. Except I guess. for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I guess he's he's pretty much untouchable. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is like the new uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, just no one ask him about, I don't know. Politics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, 9-11 didn't happen. It's not real. (laughs) Oh, no. If you look in your heart, you know it's not real, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was weird. There was... (laughs) Truth or Keanu Reeves. Truth or Keanu Reeves. It's like a weird Twitter profile. (laughs) I really enjoyed, like, the chemistry of the actors in this a lot. Yeah. And there's some real laugh out loud moments. And I, I'm just a fan of the Hangout movie in general. Yeah. I don't really understand the purpose of uh, Meg Tilly's character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so Alex, who in deleted footage was played by Kevin Costner. Right. And then in retrospect, I can't imagine the movie is such a bottle episode. We are so living in this in, in Kevin Klein's house. I can't imagine just cutting randomly to Alex. But I think if it was doing that the whole like if the like imagine like okay. imagine if the whole movie had like little flashbacks to moments where Alex had like a moment with each individual character. Yeah. Like Boo and Fleabag. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's just a completely different movie. Right. It's a completely different yeah. movie at that point. So Kazan had to, it's either some or all. Or it's, mm-hmm. a, it's either none or all. Yeah, right, right, right. Um the opening of this reminded me a lot of the opening of The World's End. Very. Yeah, yeah, I was a big fan of the opening of this. Yeah. Of of like the juxtaposition of learning about where the characters are in their lives in relation to where they were when they learned about the news. Yeah. Was super, yeah, getting a little glimpses of all their lives. Yeah. Tell you what this movie really needed was an alien invasion. For sure. <laughs> I, I, I think about, I remember like Mark Maron was interviewing Edgar Wright and he almost, he expressed like, I was almost bummed when the blue blood and started coming out because i was having so much fun living with these dudes yeah and a part of me relates to that because i do love just hanging out with these dudes so much but like what's so brilliant about the world's end is there wouldn't be a movie if there wasn't the the, the blanks and the aliens yeah well and i think it's that not ancillary it's 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 
the the uh the what the blanks do is it forces the characters to reckon with who they are. Yeah. They don't get a whole weekend like these characters do. Well, and it's not even that they don't get a whole weekend. It's that it's that, you know, as we were seeing like who are they going to what like there's no reason for them to to reckon with anything because everyone thinks they're right. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, well, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like Gary's not going to change. They're not going to be able to convince him to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy isn't going to uh, reckon with his feelings about Gary. You know, none of them are. Yeah. And so they haven't needed to. Right. And so they're just going to keep going and they're going to feel sorry for this guy. He's going to get drunk before any of them do. Yeah. And then they're all going to go their separate ways. And that's how it was going to end. Like it was over. The night was over when the blanks show up. The blanks are the only reason it kept going. That's true. Yeah. They were already like, let's go. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the hotel. Right. Right. So. um, So I, I just think that. You know, I understand that a lot of people will get exhausted by um, the overuse of like genre in, uh, in in things, but I think that the 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 genius thing about genre is that it gives uh, your characters an opportunity to be extremely um, I don't know just have everything heightened. Yeah, yeah, to, for sure. To to uh, 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 to a point where everyone can because like. It'll take people years to reckon with stuff. Yeah, nobody uh, figures all of their their shit out over a weekend. No, yeah, nobody. Um, sometimes it just takes years, decades, mm-hmm. and having mixing that genre in allows them to do it in a night. Yeah, it lights a fuse. Right, exactly. Because um, this is a movie. Right, you know, we got an and, hour and forty five minutes, and I think that this movie could have used a fuse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a hangout movie in the vein of like, I, I, it reminded me of like, I don't know, like everybody wants some mm-hmm. or like, yeah, you really are just these characters hanging around in a clerks a little clerks. Bit. Yeah. And your mileage really does vary on how, and I don't, I don't say this uh, bitterly or whatever, but it, your mileage varies on how much you like these characters just quipping back and forth to each other mm-hmm. and just like everyone just being pleased as punch. Yeah. About all the all the fun little stuff they have to say. Yeah. About being old and right. their friend killing themselves. You know what's funny is um we were talking about this while we were watching it. We were we were talking about how like like okay, so just for example, you know, like I just compared this to Clerks. Obviously we're comparing it to The World's End. Mm-hmm. Both of those films, twenty years apart, are about Gen X. But they're about very different points in their lives. So yeah. in in the big chill, they are in their thirties, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wow, we have we have families and kids and careers. What happened? Everything is so different. Oh man, what happened?" And Clerks is Gen X about to turn thirty, mm-hmm. you know, and and Clerks too to a certain extent. They're both this, and they're just like, "Oh, why haven't I figured my life out yet?" Yeah. And then it's the world's end. They're in their 40s and they figured life out. And we were talking about how like, okay, if if the big chill is the big chill for baby boomers mm-hmm. and the world's end is the big chill for Gen X because they're, they're not similar ages, but they're at similar points in their life. Yeah. I'm just now realizing that if you do the big chill for millennial, millennials, they have to be in their 50s. Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Because everything keeps getting pushed back. Yeah. Because everyone gets their job, their careers later, and so they hold on to it longer. Mm-hmm. And so each generation is older than the generation before when they finally get their life together. Yeah, like it was bizarre. Yeah, like hearing them talk about their lives in the big chill. 
being like, oh man, like we, we're middle aged. We're middle aged already, and they're like thirty four. Yeah, of like I've already had my career for fifteen years, and I've 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 like uh, uh, Kevin Klein's about to sell his company, right? You know, and yeah. like they're already talking about Act Two, right? And that's just as us now watching this today feels so alien. Yeah. Um, well, it it felt alien just watching a bunch of thirty year olds just in a house for the weekend and no one having to work. Yeah, for sure. Just all of them being like, like yeah, job will take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. We can just chill out here. We can have the big chill. <laughs> what do we have to worry about? Rent? <laughs> we all, we're all property owners. Health insurance? Yeah. Get it for, oh man. Uh, I, 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 I was going on that more, the conversations about uh, everyone being so cynical now. Yeah. I don't know. You can almost you almost see the the clouds coming. I'm like, why are people so disaffected and cynical? Why can't yeah. we just be like, boy, get ready? Yeah, because like the '90s are coming. Yeah, the cloud of Gen X <laughs> yeah. is approaching. Why can't we just be the oncoming storm? Why can't we just dance to the Temptations in our kitchen like we used to? Oh man, yeah, um, yeah. I I I I guess I I see a lot of merit in this movie and I and I can tell that it like inspired a lot of people. Sure. Um like I imagine that um Aaron Sorkin is like a huge fan of this movie. Oh yeah. It feels like it would be. His whole mood. I uh, I actually think that um you could probably remake the Big Chill like every you could have remade it for each generation. You could have remade it with Gen Xers, you could have yeah. remade it again with millennials and it would be completely different each time. Yeah, like you just get yeah, like Ethan Hawke, Winona Ryder. Yeah. Uh it's too late now, but sure. you could have. <laughs> yeah. I guess now it would be like Adam Driver. Mhm. Uh I don't know. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do millennial big chill. That's yeah, like eight, let's eight people. No, uh, it would just be the cast of girls. <laughs> just be the cast. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you made some very astute observations. They are literally inside uh, the Dawson Creek house. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was. I was like watching this, and I was like, "That's that's the creek. That's Dawson's Creek." Yeah, <laughs> it's just, that's the pier where he made the sad face from the meme. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "This is this is his house." Speaking of Gen X, yeah, true. Well, is that Gen X? I guess they, they're they Gen X, but the people watching it were millennials. Okay. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, they were all like 28. Sure. <laughs> Playing teenagers. So there were a lot of... Uh, the, uh, here's another connection to The World's End. Mm-hmm. Very reliant on music. Yes. Needle drops. Yes. What did we... Because th- The World's End is the strongest soundtrack, I think, that he has ever done. Definitely. It's definitely... The soundtrack is the biggest character compared to like Shaun of the Dead had some fun like oh yeah and like Hot Fuzz it was kind of more yeah like set dressing yeah, like yeah decoration yeah. but this is like a character it matters yeah what that we're listening to the Soup Dragons right now yeah this is it's it's way more in line with like um, Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver in that way yeah for sure where I guess it seems like he'd always liked music and used music a lot but in spaced Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. He wasn't. I don't know that he was trying to find like specific music for a specific thing. It mm-hmm. was more just like, well, I like these things, and they just happen to sort of go together. Yeah, you know. Um, <clears throat> he was like more thinking about moments than like a grand plan. Right. Yeah. Like like the, 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 the dead moment. Yeah. Or the records throwing moment. Right. 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 Whereas uh, starting with Scott Pilgrim, 
he was like, okay, I need this to have like a unifying theme. Mm-hmm. This music it needs to all feel like it is part of the same world. Yeah, and uh, I think we definitely got that with Scott Pilgrim, and then the World's End. I think is just, you know. Uh, in its own way of, of a masterpiece of, of of soundtrack. Yeah, for sure. Of creating a world, creating character, mood. Yeah. Yeah. And this was kind of, again, like time, you know, we're watching this in 2019. Mm-hmm. But in 1983, the idea of relying on nostalgia or like the songs of our youth yeah. maybe had a bit more novelty yeah or like oh these are all songs that we knew when we were in 18 and now they're in a movie how fun yeah but like it really did feel like they're just pasting them on top of each other yeah like and pretty innocuously like now we're gonna listen to in the midnight hour now we're gonna listen to when a man loves a woman now yeah we're gonna listen to I don't know. you could really take you could take uh the big chill soundtrack the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack the gross point blank soundtrack force gump and the world's end soundtrack and you could just make like a history of of music yeah. from like the 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 60 like the late 60s to the for sure or early 70s i guess from to the early 90s mm-hmm. yeah you know what also this movie reminded me of and i and i and i like this movie better uh i was reminded of four weddings and a funeral a lot yeah this. just the melancholy nature of like i don't know i i got more of a set, i got more love from four weddings and a funeral Mm-hmm. Of like, wow, this group of friends really feels like they love each other and have known each other for a long time. Yeah, and the losses hit harder. Maybe people were too sitcommy in this. Maybe the script was too like cute. But I never really got when when William Hurt was like, we never liked Alex. Like we didn't know him. It, it rang true to me. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I kind of get the sense that these people really don't like each other very much, which is weird. Like, why were they friends? Because it ends with them being like, we're moving in. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised that they never tried to do. I know they tried to do a big chill TV show in in like '85, right? Yeah. Um, but it was this. It was, you know, their friend died and they're in their 30s and now they're like, they won't leave. Yeah, now they're like friends mm-hmm. and hanging out. Um, but uh, I'm surprised that no one ever tried to do like a big chill prequel. TV series. Oh, right. Yeah. Like them in college. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm shocked the CW never tried to do anything like that. Can you imagine? Yeah. Now 2020. Yeah. The big chill. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Alex, Richard, Nick. Right. <laughs> Alex is a character, but you never see him. Yeah. Everyone just funny. talks about him. He's so great. Yeah. He was like a scientist, I guess. Yeah, I guess he was. He was like a brilliant scientist. That was weird. That's that's something I wouldn't be able to buy. Kevin yeah. Costner is a scientist. Kevin Costner is a brilliant scientist and not a baseball coach. No. Jeff Goldblum worked, wrote for People Magazine. Right. Tom Berenger was a, a TV star. He was Rick Dalton. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then Kevin Klein like ran a shoot, like an athletic company. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the women were women. They sure were. They wanted babies and they wanted their husbands to love them. Yeah, it's kind of, and then you had Megan Tilly's character who was a manic pixie dream girl. Yes, but didn't solve any problems for anyone. It was it only every time she was on screen, I just had questions. Yeah, she just fluttered through everything. I don't, I don't understand what her purpose yeah, was. You, I, I my theory while we were watching it was that he wrote that role for Carrie Fisher. Yeah, and Car- I I think Carrie Fisher just turned it down because she was like. What is this? Like, why, why is she here? 
Yeah, she she see, you 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 out loud compared it to an alien. Yeah, where she seems like a Men in Black alien. Yeah, where she just like doesn't know what people do. Mm-hmm. Is and this how human beings act? Actually, no. <laughs> you weirdo. Like, and if if it was supposed to be like a statement on like she's the future, she's the youth, because like I think Meg Tilly was like twenty three when this movie came out. I just did like the math on my phone. Uh, but yeah, like we she, that she never really became a human. No, she was just like this fairy, this like kind of bohemian girlfriend that floated from guy to guy in a really weird way. She would like flirt with Goldblum and then she hooked up with William Hurt. Um, and I don't know, like, I kept waiting for her to like, I was a student of hers or his or Alex's or whatever. But no, she just like lived in that weird cabin. Yeah. And I stretched do the weird like aerobics yeah well because she's like a dancer i guess okay yeah she's um, a dancer because she that's i guess she got her start in that movie fame uh, okay fame yeah well, live forever. yeah she was like uh she was like a dancer in that movie okay um and that's where she like got her start i guess but um or at least at least in movies sure uh but yeah so i guess that's what that was was that she was like a dancer so they like incorporated that into the into the movie because it seems like I don't I don't know for sure but there seems like there was like a lot of like improv going on in this yeah to a certain extent because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of just rambly yeah shots of like them all they're just hanging out and like like stuff where you're like this can't possibly be written we see Goldblum with Meg Tilly doing the Ellie Sadler hand trick yeah with the water yeah that was weird almost exactly yeah was that just like is that what that was that was just a reference to this either that's bizarre or that's Goldblum's move yeah and if you let Goldblum improv he's just gonna grab like a girl's hand and like poke at it and pretend it's for science yeah let me tell you something about yourself. Uh, oh, your 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 lifelines uh, are telling me that you're uh, you're 19. That's a coincidence. Oh. I'm 65. <laughs> this uh. is fun. I loved everyone's fall fashion. Everyone looked super comfy. I like Glenn Close's white sweater. I thought Glenn Close was actually pretty solid in this. Yeah, I mean she wasn't given a lot to do. Unfortunately, it's just it. <laughs> This isn't her fault. I I just can't, and and it might have more to do with me knowing her for what I know her from. But like, I can't. I I she just I can't accept her as like young. Oh, I see. You just she just feels permanently old. Kind of like Meryl Streep. I feel that where where when you see when you see Meryl Streep in like Kramer versus Kramer or so or Manhattan. You, or defending your life. Or defending your life. You cannot stop thinking like, wow, she looks so young in this. Yeah. You know, of it's it's like you can't really lose yourself in the character, right? I right. think it has everything to do with with age. Yeah, you know. Well, the, and I think her career really popped off. Like both of them, their careers really popped off when they got older. Yeah, and so like those are where like all their iconic roles are to yeah. me anyway. For sure, like Meryl Streep was Meryl Streep <clears throat> in like Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, and Angels in America. Right. Right. Um, and Glenn Close was Cruella DeVille mm-hmm. and, and the wife And the wife Like yeah Those two Those two things and then um, he, I don't know And even if you look at When I watch like uh, Fatal Attraction It's just In a good way I love that movie It's like watching my parents When they were young Uh huh I'm like whoa Look this is when This is Michael Douglas And Glenn Close Were really young Yeah I'm not But that, that'll probably be What my kids say When they watch like Easy A They're like wow Look how young Emma Stone is in this That's true That's probably true Hopefully, 
Hopefully. But who's Emma Stone? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that happens. Tom Berenger plays like the cool Hollywood guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely the... He's less Rick Dalton than more... Um, Tom Selleck. Uh, I was going to say um, Brad Pitt, actually. Okay. Um, in the movie. Because he's got like... Oh, right. Yeah. He's like constantly shirtless in this. And yeah, you're just like, wow. <laughs> Berenger used to get it. Yeah. <laughs> the boss from Ted. Because you're not, you're not used to... Um, uh, uh, th- those guys like the hot guys in the '80s having like abs and stuff. Yeah, because they're usually just like slender, good-looking guys, mm-hmm. but they're not like ripped, wearing like five shirts on top of each other. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I guess so. He's like a proto. Yeah, but he's like, he was like, uh, yeah, it was like Brad Pitt in uh, in in that movie where he takes off his shirt to do that like roof stuff, mm-hmm. and you're like, did people look like that in the '60s? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hey Jesus. guys, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Like you would like Burt Reynolds would take his shirt off, and he, you know, he was a handsome dude, but he was like, okay, like he just looked normal. I know dudes that look like that with their shirts off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he looked like uh, like Paul Rudd before he worked out for Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they they weaponize actors over there. Yeah, Tom Holland looks like he could like you you could like throw a full can of beer at him and it would just pop pop off. <laughs> Yeah, he does look like he could like flex his abs, and you could like you could like open a can of yeah. soda on him. Yeah, yeah for Tom, sure. hold still. Oh yeah, yeah, my, you could. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good on you. <laughs> good on you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Um, I, 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 I'm always remiss when I feel like I've missed on something because of generational stuff, of age yeah. stuff. Of like, I just don't think this is gonna hit me the same way that it did in '83. Right, right. But you know, I feel the same way about. A lot of Gen X stuff, you know, like when I see a Gen X thing, I'm like, this is closer. This is warmer. <laughs> yeah. But it's still not quite there so, yet. Are you a singles guy? Are you fan of singles? No, I, I don't like that movie. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't like that movie. I think it's um, it's a uh, real like cynical. And, sure. Yeah. Not my. Uh, Reality Bites? Not quite my tempo. No, I don't really like that one either. Oh, so Clerks is kind of the outlier. Yeah, I'd say Clerks is probably the outlier. But even Clerks now doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Yeah, I like I because they were so homophobic. Yeah. In, like the Gen X people were so homophobic. Sure. Like I much prefer like the World's End sort of like like oh I love these guys. Yeah, we and, can like, hug and cry in front of each other and it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So like that that I they felt more in tune with um the, with the World's End even Clerks. though they are Gen X, but I guess different yeah. country, different vibes. And I guess. comparing Clerks to Reality Bites and Singles, I guess because those and to me that's like the mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore. Or to me, I don't know, like ninety. When I think of nineties young people in movies, sure, like yeah. Three, Clerks is the most like blue collar. Yeah, like they're not really worried about like Pearl Jam and like politics, right. or like they're they're more like I hate this job. Right. Why right. is my girlfriend so weird? Right. I don't want to be here today. Right. I just want to talk about Star Wars with my friends. Right. I don't know. It's I just want to play hockey on the roof. I just want to play hockey on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. They do go to a funeral in the clerks, though. They do, yeah, that they do. <laughs> that they do. So, do you think now, in the year of our Lord, 2019, going into a new decade, the future of a Hangout movie? Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about the big chill, and I was like, would this just, would this play better if it was, like, on Netflix now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think the ending would play any better. The ending doesn't play now. No, period. The, the ending sucks. Yeah. Uh, um, I joked. I literally was like, well, "How stupid would it be if th- that was the end of the movie?" And then, like, cut to cast in order of appearance. Yeah. Then the credits come up, and you're like, "Ah, okay." 
Uh, yeah. Um, this is interesting. Yeah, it was. I'm trying to think of like what what's a what's an equivalent film right now? Like what what's the most recent movie that you can think of that's kind of like this? I don't think there is. I mean, like everybody wants some, but that's no that that's not in the zeitgeist. That's no, not, and that's not really that's not really like this. They're in college. Yeah, this is that's like the prequel we were talking about. Right, right. Um, I don't know what's that show with like Colby Smulders and Keegan Michael Key and the friends from college. Is that still going? No, I think it ended. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. People in their thirties, hanging, hanging out, out, reminiscing about their youth. Um, grown ups, grown ups. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> volume one and two. Yeah, volume one and two. Uh, well, that just shows that there's a that there's a gap. When are they going to get around to completing that trilogy? Uh, I think they're going to wait. Okay, they're going to do like they're going to do like before, great grown ups before midnight. Yeah, great grown ups. Great grown ups. <laughs> Ah, can you believe it? Our kids are getting married. <laughs> I hope they don't wait that long, though, and they just put them all in old age makeup. Oh, yeah, that that would be perfect. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> These kids today, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't like what they, they used to do. <laughs> I don't like they used to be with the kids. <laughs> Uncut gems. Um, Uncut gems. Man. Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it does work uh, surprisingly well for a Thanksgiving movie because it's like yeah. about people who haven't seen each other in a while, sort of like getting back together and watching football. Glenn Close stuffs the turkey. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it is Thanksgiving time. Maybe. Yeah, it Ever, does. It does work as a Thanksgiving movie. Everyone though. was dressed super autumny. Yeah, they're playing football out in the yard. Yeah, the feel, everything feels very Thanksgiving yeah. in this unofficial Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, I think it is an un- unofficial Thanksgiving movie. Um, so there's that. It's got that going for it. Um, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's. I would be interested in Lawrence Kasdan writing a sequel to this. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that too. Of like how much more unpleasant these characters would be now that they're 60. Yeah. You know, in the same way that they're all around too, right? Yeah. I think they're all still with us. Thank God. Yeah. Glenn Close, Kevin Klein, uh, Tom Berenger, theoretically. What is he up to? I don't know. He could be, he could be right across the street for all we know. Oh, he could be dead. He could be dead. He could be the dead guy. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that the, the the reason they all get that together sucks. again. Yeah, you just cut. They have like they have like the T, the TJ Hooker jacket over the over the casket. Yeah, what was yeah. his name? Lancer. Lancer. Yeah, Lancer. That was his show. Uh, Jake Kasdan, Bounty and, Law, Bounty Law. Yeah, Jake Kasdan cameos is like an autograph boy. That's true. Um, oh, that's true. That's uh. Didn't Jake Kasdan write something kind of similar to this? Yeah, I think he did this movie that I really like called In the Land of Women. Oh, right. That's definitely got this vibe yeah, to it sure. a little bit. Where nothing really happens. It's just kind of like a mood. Yeah. Yeah. We're so it more like that. He did um he did that uh first time movie too, right? Yeah, we both really like that yeah, one. Yeah, we both really do like that one. Yeah. With Britt Robertson and Mr. Maze Runner. Right. That's not quite the same, but Mr. Maze Runner. Yeah. Is can't hardly wait the first millennial, like, hangout movie. Well, or is it too borderline? Because it's like right on the borderline of like Gen X millennial. Well, like, but when did can't hardly wait come out? Like ninety seven, ninety six, ninety eight, ninety eight. When did uh, Days and Confused come out? Like four, ninety four. 
Yeah. Okay. Then maybe we can't hardly wait. Yeah. I don't know. Movies that are period always kind of like negate themselves a little bit. Yeah. Because you always like, you know, can't hardly Days and Confused, technically a 90s movie. Right. But you never think of it as a 90s movie. You think of it as a 70s movie. Oh, yeah. That's true. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Paul Thomas Anderson said that his new movie is going to be like set in high school in the 70s. Yeah, I saw that. And that has like, I can see that being like a hangout movie energy. That could be cool. Kind of more like Inherent Vice. Or... Well, I would well, want it to be more well, that... more like Phantom Thread than Inherent Vice because I hated Inherent Vice. But sure. I, I hate, it feels like I hate every other one of his movies. You didn't. Okay, so you love Phantom Thread. Yes. Hated Hair and Vice. Yes. Before that, it was The Master? Yeah. You're not crazy about The Master? It's okay. Okay, that might be one of my favorites. It has it has a cool... I, I like the vibe of it. It has. It's a little more like Phantom Thread. I think I might like The Master more than There Will Be Blood. Oh. I think if you put two of them in front of me and you're like, we only have time for one because they're both three hours long, I think I would put on The Master. Mm. I... I what what else do so I don't like I don't like that one the the frogs oh uh, Magnolia Magnolia I don't like Magnolia <laughs> that feels a lot like this because it just goes nowhere uh-huh. in my opinion um, uh, Puncher Glove though Puncher Glove is great yeah uh, Bogey Nights solid have you seen Heart Eight no. I don't think I've seen Heart Eight I don't think so yeah, yeah. I've never seen Heart Eight that would be weird to see one of his movies with like a low budget would be weird It'd be cool. It would be cool, but like, like Bottle Rocket. Yeah, right. Like Bottle Rocket. That's what I always think of. Because like PTA doesn't really have like a you you couldn't do like an SNL parody of like what if Paul Thomas Anderson made X Men, you know? Like, yeah, to me, he doesn't yeah. have like the visual like style that was in a good in a good way. But you know, like Wes Anderson or Tim. Yeah, Burton. yeah. I guess that's true. Though I bet I bet someone see something in in his stuff that we don't see that he would be able to pull out they would be able to pull out yeah. and be like actually no here's this pt anderson doing x-men and you're like oh shit that is pt anderson doing x-men just johnny greenwood doing a really spooky x-men score cover yeah like a cello yeah um so yeah the big chill yeah the big chill what's next uh i think up next is um the scorsese joint oh cool um after hours. After hours. I think that's the next one. I'm excited. Doing. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Really? Uh, it starts with a very interesting shot. Um, the well, first shot of After Hours is crazy. Is it a boy's head being twisted like a stopwatch? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, yeah. So I think it's After Hours next, and then, um, and then it's with Nell and I. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, and then. And then I believe it's Paul. Okay. And then we're we'll get started on the new season. Paul had the same DP as Joker. Huh. I watched a Vanity Fair video where it was like, "Hi, I'm the cinematographer of Joker. I'm going to teach you how to how color can tell a story." And they were like, "For Paul, I wanted and talked about like the lights of the helicopters." And I was like, "What an interesting filmography." Huh. Anyway, interesting. Joker two. Joker two. That's a thing that is going to happen. Because it's getting pretty bad out there. Um, is it just me or is it getting even crazier out there? I hope he finds a third black therapist to not listen to. <laughs> and possibly kill. And possibly.
possible. I hope I hope he, I hope Todd Phillips really does just he's incapable of like doing a sequel that isn't like a guy that is just like the same one again. <laughs> he just goes on another talk show. He kills Al Pacino. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so it'll be uh, after hours next. Um, with Neil and I. With Neil and I in January, Paul in February. And, and then, then we're back. Then we're back at it in March. So, like the Five Musketeers. Like the Five Musketeers, and uh, and I think you know we re- we referenced this um, uh, when we were ending Hot Fuzz, I think. But um, the the World's End season is going to be largely just Nick and I. Um, we're not going to have a great. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go out of my way to have a great number of guests for that one. No. Because um, I kind of just want it to be. Nick and I just like chilling. Yeah. Um, we might have like, if we have guests, it'll probably be live guests like in the room with us. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I think that'll probably be the majority of what we do. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's cool with you guys. I feel like that's been both seasons. Yeah. I mean, we, we always have like a big chunk that's just us. And then once we get into guests, it's like guests nonstop. Got it. Um, so I, I, I'm just like saying up front, we're probably not going to have a great yeah. number. If of that's guests. why you turn in to the Cornetto Minute for all our white hot guests. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's, uh, that's not, we're not going to have very many this season. So, um, all right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That's, uh, that's the big chill, the big death. <laughs> the original title yeah uh we will uh <laughs> we'll see you next month with um after hours bye bye, bye. bye.